Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always, the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Christen, how you doing, sir? What a different feel we have this week, huh? Way different vibe compared to the previous month and a half of this pit football season. Yeah, I mean, what a difference a week makes. I mean, last week we talked basketball with you. Um, bluntly, we would have done that anyway. It's the only time to really squeeze that in before pit tips off. So, you know, it was good timing with the bye week and everything. That said, it was a welcome break from talking about what had been a pretty miserable football season. So Pitt makes the quarterback change. They go to Christian Veyer. We can probably forget about all the drama, who chose it and why and all that, and move on with our lives because that's what Pitt's doing. If you look at the stats, not really impressive. 12 of 26, 200 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. You'd call that game management. If you watched the game, no, Christian Veyer's got something. <laughs> I mean, Definitely what did you does. think, man? I feel like he kind of made a statement there after starting out cold. At minimum, and yes, he started 0, 0 for 5, in fact. So if you want to remove that 0 for 5, 12 to 21 in a way, with no interceptions, by the way. The thing that I imperatively noticed with Christian was the feel of the game, the flow of the game, the rhythm that Pitt's offense was able to get into at more than one juncture of this football game. Compare and contrast the Virginia Tech game versus the Louisville game just from a sheer offensive standpoint, okay? Pitt got literally half of its yards, 49%, to be facetious, from two splash plays that resulted in touchdowns, right? The means... Right. Uh, 75-yarder and the the Sebo Flemister screen. This was not that at all. This was Christian spreading the ball around to what? Six different receivers. And if I look down here, I'm looking at the game book. Six different receivers. 
Bud Means looked as good as he looked all season, if not the best he's looked since, what, that 2022 Sun Bowl? Those two I mean, actually looked like they had a little bit of chemistry. Yeah, I mean, six targets, four catches for Means. Nine targets for Mumfield, only three catches, but he did have the touchdown. Kenny Johnson looks like something, man. He looks mm. like a player for this Pitt team, and he's really encouraging. Gavin Bartholomew only got three targets, but he made the most of them. A couple catches for uh, 33 yards. Look, I-, I think the most important thing that Christian did, and you-, you probably read it in my game story if you're listening to this, is that, yes, the stats don't explode off the page, but what he was able to do in, in just giving this Pitt offense another step to build upon. At minimum, yes, you, you can agree that he he took care of the football. He did manage the game because the defense was so outstanding. And that's a whole nother point in and of itself. But I think, Christian, this wasn't a Nate Yarnell situation either, meaning the Western Michigan game from last year where Nate threw it 12 times, didn't throw an interception. He took care of the football and gave it to Israel Abanacanda. That didn't really happen here. When I think happened on Saturday against Louisville and Pitt with a big upset over a top 15 team was Christian sees command of this offense. He was able to situationally apply and situationally provide and situationally execute, you know, all season long, uh, even going back to Phil Dracovic. And you look at what Gavin Bartholomew has said at SIBO and all these other guys on the offense. And yeah. Cradle and all these other guys, execution, 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 execution. That's what it came down to. This offense simply executed in the spots that it had to execute. And that includes towards later in the game where they had to kill some clock off and they found a way to do that to keep Louisville out of the game. Christian didn't just go out and make plays. He also did enough to help keep Louisville out of the game. They kept the Louisville offense off of the field. And that is huge, especially when this defense, as I said, played as well as it did, created turnovers, created havoc, and was really successful on third and fourth down. Yeah. I mean, I came out of that game knowing two things, Corey. I feel like, first of all, Pitt now does have a quarterback. I I think that I feel good enough to know that he's worth a look the rest of the year, right? There's, there shouldn't be any waffling. I I would think just from what we watched. No second. MJ Devonshire is going to be an NFL draft pick one day <laughs> for talent. Now he has been rocky to start the start of this season. I think you'll agree with that. He hasn't yes. had it all together this season, but I think it was five pass breakups, four pass breakups. It was a lot. And then of course, if he picks that ball off, he's gone. His speed is so reliable and is so just high class when it comes to thinking of a defensive back that can close and then once he secures that ball, he can find a hole and go. Like yeah. his criticism for the punt return game is one thing, but his athleticism as a defensive back can't be questioned. He was able now thrash the, the top receiver for Louisville who had an injury. He had 18 targets, but only nine catches. And then their next targeted guy, uh, Kevin Coleman, had 10 targets, but only five catches. So even then, uh, 29 to 51, that's what it turned out to be you know, for the passing as far as the target share is concerned yeah. for this Louisville receiving core. And the pit defense, and Devonshire especially, did such a great job on them. I would say the the defensive line impressed me too. I I think that was the first time that I really saw them start to get home 
without it being a coverage related occurrence. You know, they, they were forcing the issue. They were in his face before he had an appropriate amount of time to make any kind of read. Samuel Hulula needs to start. Yeah. Enough of Nate Temple. All due respect to Nate Temple. I've seen enough of him. Sam Okunlola needs to start. He's the future and the present of the position. Now, Danielson and Green, you can't really make up for what Kalijah Kansi did. You just can't. When you have a game record, when you have a first-round pick, and you saw him get his first sack at the NFL, by the way, on Sunday, when you have a Kalijah Kansi, you just can't replace that. So, therefore, more than two people have to step up. I loved what I saw from Sammy O. I loved what I saw from Dayon Hayes for the first time since week one. It looked like he finally broke through a little bit. I was impressed with the pass rush. And Louisville, look, what they do running the football? Uh, 81 yards for Turner, two rushing touchdowns for Garendo. So a little bit to clean up from the run game standpoint. But that pass rush did something special. And again, Pitt's calling card over the last how long in the Narduzzi era is this defense creates turnovers. It gives the offense good field position, and the offense does what it needs to do. That's exactly the winning formula that Pat Narduzzi has employed and why they won an ACC championship. I know Kenny Pickett is special, and we could talk about his domination, but that defense led way for Kenny Pickett to become special. I'm not saying that's that Christian Veyer is going to be another Kenny Pickett, but what I'm saying is finally this defense was able to – play that calling card, so to speak, and create those opportunities for the offense. Right. And I mean, you know, final thoughts on this game before we take a break here. I mean, Louisville really kind of beat Pitt (laughs) and statistically in almost everything. It was three turnovers was the difference of this game. So I, I think it's appropriate to be excited about some of the good things we saw, but let's also step back and remember if they don't make some pretty crucial errors, this game probably doesn't go this way. On the flip side, like I said, when Pitt creates those errors, this is what happens. This is what it leads to. Let's go to our first break, Gary. Right. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Gary and Corey with you. We just got done talking about Pitt's surprise win over Louisville. And we're going to look a little bit at the road ahead. 
You know, we had, I think, mentally taken bull eligibility off the table for this team this year. And even now, Corey, the road ahead, there's not enough left on the schedule at two and four to get there without beating another ranked team. They have to beat another ranked team somewhere along the path here. What do you think? Yeah, the schedule ahead does not favor in in Pitt's way. At Wake Forest, all of the sudden is attainable and winnable. And we could talk about that as we need to. But at Notre Dame and against Florida State, it's hard to ask, right? It's hard to ask Pat Narduzzi and Pitt to do what they just did to Louisville. Now, to the credit of Notre Dame and Florida State, those teams are not Louisville. They're way better than Louisville. They will be better than Louisville. And then, of course, as Alan points out in the YouTube comments, Duke, at the end of the year, where's Riley Leonard's health going to be? This Duke defense, we talked about Duke preseason. Duke is either going to be the third or fourth best team in the ACC or the ninth best team in the ACC, and there was no in-between. They look like, what, behind Florida State, team number two, team number three, behind Florida State, North Carolina, team number three. Duke is legit. Duke is a team. Right. So, yes, Pitt will have to go and beat one of either Wake Forest, or excuse me, Notre Dame, Florida State, or Duke, plus win out the, the rest of the non-ranked schedule. So right. Syracuse, Boston College, Wake Forest, they'll have to win those three games if they want to get to a bowl. Absolutely. Now, so it's, it's thin yeah. ice no matter which way you, you go. I mean, you know, you're going to hear cracks. It's going to be a heck of a journey, and, and I think it would be a heck of an accomplishment if they did get there. The second guest birds are going to be out big time, though, about why you didn't make the change at quarterback earlier, if of course. that's what happens to get you in position. Um, we just saw them upset a number 14. So seeing number 15 Notre Dame, that's kind of there because of that number 14 that we just upset. Yeah, somewhat. But I'll give you the big butt here. Notre Dame was one play away from beating Ohio State mm-hmm. in that same building that Pitt has to go to. Sam Hartman, give him credit. He made the right call from Leave Awake Forest. He, for my money, has been the best transfer player that is on a new team this year. And I know some people are like, whoa, Penix, the quarterback from Washington. No, he got there last year. Yeah, yeah. So Sam Hartman, as like an incoming transfer with a new team this year, it, for my money, he's been the best in all of college football with his new team. He's been a rock star for Notre Dame. Now, we'll talk about Notre Dame more, obviously, next week before they go to South Bend. But I, it's hard to ask them to beat Florida State. It just is. This As is what you sit here and look at the schedule, though, you know, I think uh, it's fair to say the team will be looking at it one week at a time, but you're going to hear the phrase must win the yeah. rest of the time here. So I think it was important for Corey and I to kind of lay out for you why we feel that's going to be the case because they can't afford to slip up anywhere here. No. And again, this is with respect to bowl eligibility. Okay. At two and four, pick and only lose two more games. Otherwise, they're knocked out. Now, put it to you this way. Okay. Duke is the final game of the season. Let's say for sake of conversation, they lose to Notre Dame and Florida State to put them at. After this week against Wake Forest, it would put them at what? Three and six? Yep. Suppose they beat Syracuse in the Bronx. 
Suppose they beat Boston College at home. It is now because of the play of Christian Vayer and the play of the defense. If this pit team that we saw on Saturday that beat Louisville, if that is the same team that takes the field for the remainder of the season, I think Pitt has a legitimate chance at being five and six going into Duke week and a win against Duke in the final game of the season gets him bowl eligible. I think that is now the path that Pitt is on again, provided Christian plays the way he did and the defense plays the way they did against Louisville. Right. Certainly a path there. Um, Wake Forest. I don't really know what to expect. They've been wishy-washy themselves this year. You know, um, anything can happen there. I, I, I'm almost like beyond trying to prognosticate what this team's going to do on a week-to-week basis. I, I need to see week two from from this entire offensive unit because I think Christian learned during that game. <laughs> like, I think they, they, they could actually add some to the playbook. He looked like he picked up pretty quickly on some of the more advanced concepts they tried to drop in towards the end of the game. So... We might see this offense actually evolve a little bit. And much of what we saw from Christian on Saturday was a lot of what you and I talked about, what he is versus Phil. He has more zip on his passes. He has a quicker release. His mechanics are more fluid. Those little changes in and of themselves are an improvement that will result in some more executed play, some more positives for the pin offense. But it was more than just having a, let's just say it, better quarterback in. Yeah. It was more than just about that. It was this stuff that Christian did in the process of all of that stuff. He actually looked like he got stronger the more pressure he was under. I, I just really enjoyed, I, I thought it's as clean as quarterback play as I've seen since Kenny Pickett at Pitt. And that was in his first game. For me, his first start, I felt he looked like he had a decent presence in the pocket. He was able to avoid the rush a little bit. Seemed to not be willing to just take a sack when there was an opportunity to throw it away. Um, puts balls in good places on routes. I, I just think all in all, I saw a lot of good things there, and there's something to build on. So, The thing I would put above that is Keaton Slovis's game against West Virginia to start last year. That final drive that he led, that final scoring drive, the touchdown pass to Izzy, some of those plays that Keaton made, you got to give credit where it's due, were really crucial for Pitt to pull that game off. And then, of course, the Devonshire, Pitt 6, historic, all of that. I remember you when you say it, but that game for me was always going to be that Devonshire pick 6. Of course. It's always going to be my memory in my head. And so that's right. what it's going to be. But you can't lose sight that Keaton played really well. And Pitt probably doesn't win that game if he doesn't play as well as he did. All right. Hey, Corey, I'll tell you what. Let's take an early second break because I think we have a lot of cool little odds and ends I want to get to here in the last segment. And we're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. 
Corey and Gary with you. And Corey, I want to hit you with something that I, that we didn't even discuss because I just want your raw opinion on it. Okay, I'm down. I love down. to shake you every once in a while, so let's just do it. <laughs> what do you think of Caleb Williams saying that he wants ownership of a team that drafts him? Some ownership. That's insane to me. I I imagine. Okay, I'm trying to think. Like, imagine when I got hired here at DK Pittsburgh Sports, if I just told DK, I want 20% stake in this company, along with me covering <laughs> Pitt and the Steelers. He would have kicked me out of the door as fast as he let me in it, if not faster. That's asinine to me that Caleb Williams, and I get it, he's a great quarterback, projected to go number one, all of that. Uh, this might tempt the team to not take him number one, perhaps. But point is, that is awfully daring to ask. And I don't have much money to bet, but I would bet it that the teams will not oblige that. I would imagine not. In fact, I'm <laughs> not even sure if the NFLPA would would like that. I don't know. <laughs> like, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to see. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting. I just wanted to get your take on it. Another Aaron Rodgers situation, I guess. Yeah, so let's talk about a better Aaron. Aaron Donald mm-hmm. and Kenny Pickett. Um, Ex-Pit players. So, I mean, we're going to kind of cheat and talk a little NFL here, but it's the first time Aaron Donald's really facing an ex-Pit quarterback of note anyway. Um, I like how you phrased it, of note. Well, what do you think? I mean, you you, you talked to... to uh, Kenny Pickett about it a little bit. So what do you think? Yeah, today on the South Side, in the middle of my gathering of Steelers info, it's, hey, there's a legendary pit player on that other side of the ball lining up three feet away from you in Aaron Donald. And, you know, Kenny Pickett obviously was not a teammate of Aaron Donald's here at Pitt. Um, but Aaron Donald is known to come back and work on the South Side, which is kind of funny because, like, an NFL player, you would think that he'd stay at his NFL complex, but that LA Rams D tackle does come back and work at the Steelers and Pitt joint facility in the offseason. Yeah. So, yeah, Pickett has had some run ins with Donald, friendly run ins. And uh, I thought it was funny today. You know, I asked him, I was like, do you have a relationship with him? What's it like? You know, have you seen him around? And Pickett was like, yeah. You know, when I first got here, you see him working out and you're kind of intimidated. Like he he graduated high school early, Pickett did, and he comes to work out early on the south side as as a high school senior. And there's Aaron Donald running drills with with rubber knives and whatever he does. <laughs> um, so yeah, of course anybody would be intimidated at first. It's like, holy bleep, there's there he is. That's the guy. The three time defensive player of the year, a top maybe yeah. five defender of all time. But Pickett did say, you know, once he once he actually built the courage up to talk to AD, uh, pretty cordial relationship. It won't be cordial on Sunday, obviously, at least on Aaron Donald's end. Um, but I thought that was a cool dynamic. Uh, as you said, a pick quarterback of note. I haven't dug into the research if he's faced like Peterman or, um, you know, any of those guys. But I think it's interesting that. Um, we'll have a little pit on pit action. I always love it when like the college guy lines up against the, like the other college guy, they went to the same school or they were teammates or anything like that. Like one for me, um, it would be like, it would be like Denzel Ward lining up against 
Chris Olave, you know, like if the Browns played the Saints or something like that, or, you know, like the Wisconsin offensive linemen, there's about 90 of them in the NFL, I think. Like if if TJ Watt lined across from one of them, like I just find that dynamic pretty interesting because, you know, you obviously get to know those guys in some capacity. So um, obviously a little bit different with Pickett never being a teammate of Donald's, obviously, but yeah, I thought that was still pretty cool that Pickett, you know, talked about him a little bit. And if yeah. you want to read the full quote from Pickett, if you go on DKPittsburghSports.com and check our pit feed on our pit team page, you'll see that full quote. It's, it is a pretty cool thing. And I think Pitt does a good job with their alumni, especially the NFL alumni. They tend to, to make it back quite a lot. Um, and they, they stay pretty in touch with the team. So I do think it's cool. The generations kind of get to meet the, the guys that came before them. It's, it's a good like MJ Devonshire right now. And mm-hmm. Darrell Revis is, is a thing. I mean, you can you can almost just feel Revis taking him under his wing like <laughs> every time he's there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Revis was there Saturday, and of course, Devonshire gets that pick six with Revis in attendance, and Revis took Devonshire onto the stage in Canton for his enshrinement. Like, what? <laughs> like, imagine, and of course, the, the, the Aliquippa connections right there, and it's very strong. Yeah. And, you know, the same can go for Tony Dorsett being an Aliquippa native. Like, I just think that stuff's really awesome. And that's a really cool thing for Devonshire, even if whatever he does professionally, if he plays football in the NFL or not, or if he's a backup or a practice squad, whatever it is, I think it's, I think it's cool that Devonshire kind of always has that tie to him. Yeah. Very cool. So you talked to some twins recently, the Guillermo and Jorge show is in town. They're both bulked up. One of them's still a little hurt. One of them's feeling awesome. What do you think? What did you take away from it? Well, I didn't talk to them. I was uh, recording in a live episode of the Steelers show that I do on this very medium. Uh, this was yesterday on uh, Tuesday as we record this. But, of course, I watched it back and saw what they had to say. Um, Jorge feeling pretty good. The twins looking pretty strong. Uh, both of them have put on more than 20 pounds this year. And I thought it was interesting because Jorge said, like, I feel a little bit slower. You know, it could be this foot injury that I dealt with over the summer, but I feel a little bit slower. And Guillermo's like, actually, I feel a little bit faster. And I think the general consensus between the two twins who are going to be such a pivotal part of this pit basketball team this season is what Guillermo said about being able to secure positioning in the paint. Guillermo said, and I'll paraphrase it, that he feels like he can move bodies around easier, that he can kind of overpower some players that, quite frankly, he wasn't able to do last year. The same goes for Jorge. You and I talked about, and this has been widely talked about, um, when it comes to pit basketball and the Twins, it's that those guys had to put weight on over the offseason. And they did that. They stayed here. You know, instead of going to play internationally, they stayed here. And they worked with the strength and conditioning staff here at Pitt. And credit to them, their plan worked. Putting on 20 pounds since April. Now, I might have done that in a different way via, you know, some, <laughs> you know, some meat and cheese and some burritos and some I'll do that know, over sushi. Thanksgiving. I yeah, it, yeah. And some yeah. sushi and all the other good stuff and uh, the wonderful desserts my girlfriend makes. But uh, the fact that the twins took it upon themselves to put that extra effort in. It speaks obviously a lot about them and their character and how they are approaching this season. They know they're important to this thing. 
And I think it's so cool that, you know, they did that challenge. They took that challenge upon themselves. They did it on their own time. And in some cases, their own dime, of course. Yeah. But I I think that this this concept of the pit front court, which is largely going to hinge on Federico as well. Like it's a it's a very serious thing. Last year's team had to run through its guards. This year's team is going to have to run through its forwards. Well, good stuff, man. I'm looking forward to seeing them get back on the court. Let's get a question in here from Alan because I think it's it's pretty interesting. Will Elliot Donald play this year? And speaking of the Donald family, right? Yeah. Um, of course, a relative of of Aaron. Um, that's hard to say at this point because when you're pit and you have a David Green and a Devin Danielson up the middle with some Sean Fitzsimmons and some DeAndre Jules mixed in. I don't want to say Donald's getting pushed down the depth chart, but it also feels like that's what this is. And you want to see Elliot Donald play because what if he's as good as uncle Aaron? You don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if he's going to get a lot of playing time this year. Now this team has gone through a lot of injuries. Maybe late in the season, you see Elliot, I believe his red shirt is burned already. So that is a little bit of a concern that Elliot Donald hasn't seen the field, but why is that happening? Is it because he hasn't developed like they've wanted him to? Is it because he has two, three veterans now with Danielson and Green and Jules that are just ahead of him? It could be a little combination of that. But as of this point, if we haven't seen it, a lot of Elliot Donald through six games, I wouldn't expect to see much of him through the final six games. I tend to agree with all of that, Corey. But uh, I figured I'd let the expert say. <laughs> well, Alan's the expert because that's a fantastic question, as he asked. You know, will Elliot Donald play this year? And he and he follows it up. I think he's a sophomore this year. I think you're right. Um, I can do a quick Google while uh, Gary gives a counterpoint there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I I think that uh, when your team is very veteran built, it does get harder for some youngsters to really get on the field. And I, I think they're working through what was a super deep defensive line. This is the last wave of that old guard. I think that's kind of working its way through. I think then you'll start seeing more players like this, get a chance next year. Redshirt sophomore is the answer, by the way, redshirt sophomore. So he did burn the red shirt. Uh, so both Alan and me were correct on that. There you go. All right. So, hey, next week, Wake Forest, uh, it's an afternoon game for once. That's nice, right? <laughs> That'll be cool. Um, we'll get it. And that, it looks like we have two afternoon games in a row. The Notre Dame game is going to be in the afternoon as well. That not noon, big... though. Not noon, though. Come on, ACC. Not help noon, me out. Not noon. We can't be part of that big noon. No. So. We'll see what happens with, even, with that. Maybe we'll play Penn Boston State, Ohio College State again. gets noon. You go over the We Are podcast with Corey Geyer. He's doing cartwheels because these these Ohio State, Penn State top 10 matchups are kicking off at noon. What oh, that's doing? so great. It's so much better, I think, for the game. Though. I love the, noon kickoffs. Me too. I'll take I'll take a noon kickoff 100 times out of 100 and twice on Saturdays. It, it's the best. Noon kickoffs to me are the essence of college football. Totally agree with you, man. All right. Hey, that's enough for me this week. I think we should end the show the way we always do. H2P. 